1: 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is overtime open line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Osman Auction. And now, the Canadian Brew House Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 6.30 Chad. King gave it away. It's three on one for Edmonton and OT. The winner, Dreisidel over the line. Dishes McDavid. shoots and scores. Connor McDavid from Leon Dreisidel wins the game for Edmonton. Two to one in. O!
2: The Oilers' deadly duo spells sudden death once again. Dry sidle to McDavid, and the Oilers win 2-1 in Chicago. They have won three straight. They're through the first ten games of their schedule with a record of 6-3-1. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Hope you've had a great weekend. It's 6.55. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Overtime open line presented by Canadian Brewhouse. We're in the Osmond Auction Broadcast Centre. All the scoring and regulation time in the first period. Seabrook on a two-man advantage for the Blackhawks. That was at 11.02. Zach Cassian got his first of the year from Kara and Nurse at 18.26. And then 53 seconds into overtime. Rob, the Oilers streak away. Dreisaitl down the right side. McDavid coming down on the left side.
3: Well, I I will go back to what I've been saying for three years. If I play against the Edmonton Oilers in overtime, I play two defensemen. You cannot play two forwards against McDavid and Dreisaitl. You can't. Uh, Eventually, a mismatch is going to happen, and a turnover is going to happen, and then you're in trouble. This one, it was a nice play by McDavid on a back check. He takes his man to the net. There's no shot. And then the second Chicago forward, I believe it was Kane at that point, gets caught in deep. And once that happened, then it's off to the races, and no one's gonna catch McDavid. So it's a two-on-one, and everybody in Edmonton knew what was gonna happen. settle was gonna go back door to McDavid. Uh, the Chicago defenseman, he lays down, he tries to take the pass away, but when you give Leon that much time and space to make the perfect pass, he's gonna make the perfect pass. And he hits McDavid, and not an easy shot. McDavid's fading away from him, from the net, but he throws it back across the, across the crease. He finds the far side, and again, the the number one overtime team in the National Hockey League, the number one duo in overtime in the National Hockey League, scores a big goal, and the others get
2: a big two points. Well, Oilers are now three and one in overtime on the season. Nurse and Drysaitel, with the other game winners and the McDavid to Drysaitel goal, kind of similar to this one, as they came in against uh, uh, against Boston and and won that one. Cam Talbot 31 saves obviously he was beaten on the actually the very first shot of the game it took Chicago 11 minutes to get a shot scores on a two man advantage and Talbot you know you hope he continues to look like the goalie we saw a couple of years ago doesn't make spectacular saves. He's not a guy that's going to be flopping around and and diving across the crease, but just solid again today.
3: He was very solid. And a lot of times, when you, when you're a goalie that is a positional goalie, which Talbot is, you have to have trust in your your defensemen and and well, the, all five in the defensive zone that they're going to be in the right spot taking the right guys. And the others were much better defensively tonight. Uh, Talbot was smart. He was. Uh, calm. He was collected. There was no rebounds. There was never any time where you thought, oh, no, he's going to get beat. He had to come up with two or three really big saves. They, they've showed a number of times on, uh, on replays on TV, the save on the breakaway. Uh, I believe it was Schmaltz had the breakaway. A, a great save there. I could have changed the complexion of the hockey game. This is when the Oilers are dangerous. When Cam Talbot is playing the way he is right now, they're in every game. It, it'll be low scoring against, and it allows the Oilers' stars to have the opportunity to shine. And tonight, Talbot was excellent. And in the end, McDavid gets that that goal that uh, eventually is going to come if you allow him enough chances.
2: I did think the Oilers were outplayed mm-hmm. over the second half of the game. The shots in the final two periods were 28-16 in favor of Chicago. Oilers did get hemmed in at times in the third period. They had to kill a penalty. Strom got a penalty, and, and they killed that off. I, I mean, I, I'm not going to go so far as to say this was a complete, you know, theft by the Oilers, but Chicago... You know, I, I've I've kind of been hesitant to uh, to believe in the Blackhawks, but I thought they played a pretty solid game themselves.
3: They they did. Uh, there's a lot of players that I, I really don't know a whole lot about. They got a number of. New young players playing in their lineup. Uh, they they seem to, to be a fast team. They they're an aggressive team. They get in on the four-check. Uh, obviously, they got the two two stars Taves and Kane. I thought Taves was excellent tonight. I thought he played very good. There's a lot of talk that uh, last year might be the beginning of the end of uh, of him as a star in the NHL. But he went head to head against Connor the whole night and did a, a wonderful job keeping Connor in check until it got into overtime. Yeah, Chicago is good. They they are a team that. Uh, after seeing them tonight and looking at their record that maybe they will challenge for a playoff spot. That was a team many people expected to be at the bottom of the standings. It was a good game. It was a great weekend for the Oilers coming into Nashville and Chicago and going home with four points.
2: Yeah, 6-3 and 1 on the season. So now just one game left in the month of October. 11 games in the month. So with 13 points, they're they're guaranteed to be at least two games uh, above 500 and a chance to get four above if they're able to beat the Wild. Obviously there was a lot of concern about the schedule when it came out. There was tons of concern when they start the season 0 and 2 and, and laid a pretty big egg in, uh, against New Jersey in the game in Sweden. And then obviously, we're, we're just flat out beaten against Boston once they got back to North America. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Great to have points in the bank. They could be in first place in the Pacific Division at the end of the night, depending on how the Sharks Ducks game uh, plays out. But, you know, I, I think it's important to get those points in the bank, keep as many teams behind you as possible and then and then you never know just keep approaching these games with the attitude that they've been showing
3: well you know there there was a lot of media and a lot of uh, fans that were very nervous after the first couple games and to me, it's you don't look at, at a small segment like that and, and think, all oh, right, this is the end of the season. If they don't win in New York, the year's over. If they drop two, three in a row, then it's no good. These are long years. Just like this little stretch they have right now doesn't guarantee that this is going to be a playoff hockey club, but... They are points in the bank, and there's points that they're not ha- going to have to chase at the end of the season. It's better to be at the end of October in first place than it is in last, because now you got teams that are going to have to chase you. Uh, they still have deficiencies. but I think what we're seeing in the league, and nowadays in the salary cap era, you, you can't build a powerhouse. Someone that you are top to bottom, you don't have warts in your game. You just can't, you can't afford to pay them all. So every team's gonna have some sort of warts. There's three or four that are gonna have fewer than others, and that's the Nashvilles, the, the Pittsburgh Penguins, teams of that ilk. But the others are, are right in the mix with all the other teams. They, The others are top-heavy, they got some very, very strong players up front, and they got a goaltender. And if Cam Talbot rebounds, and I know that we had a couple callers early in the season saying that Cam can't play, uh, if Cam continues to do what he's been doing, this other team is as good as any team in the in the league, and they are going to fight for a playoff spot. So uh, the points they put in right now just uh, save them a lot of headaches late in the year, hoping other teams beat teams for them. They can control them, their own destiny, and that's what you want to do.
2: Oilers beat the Blackhawks 2-1 in overtime. McDavid gets the winner. Already the second three-game winning streak for the Oilers this season. We're looking to hear from you as well, 780-496-0063. We'll go to the phones in a couple of minutes. You can also text 630-630. The other goal today was scored by Zach Cassian. one face-off. Nurse shoots it on net. Kara took a chop at it, flipped out to Cassian, who was able to put it in on the second try. He was a story, as last night, Elliot Friedman said on Hockey Night in Canada that his uh, agent has been given permission by the Oilers to uh, to see if there are any teams who might be interested uh, in Cassian in a trade. I mean, I don't get the the uh, impression that, that Cassian is... Uh, you know, hugely disgruntled or or um, causing a bunch of problems. But hey, uh, you know he was scratched earlier, so uh, I guess this this is the type of thing that comes up. But I, I do think that that fourth line had a pretty effective game for the most part. Uh,
3: they were very good uh, and created a number of chances. I think a lot of games early in the season we think, we've seen the momentum end or slow when the fourth line's been on. They've been outscored a number of times. You don't expect your fourth line to produce a lot offensively, but you can't afford them to go out there and give up goals against and we've seen that too often. As for the the talk about Cassian, or his agent asking him to be moved or check around, it, it, it does happen a lot. I've been in many dressing rooms, I've been on teams, I've been part of that, I've asked to be moved before in my career. Usually if, if you see, there's always two or three players that aren't getting the ice time they expect on every team, and those agents of those players are asking the GM what's going on, should I be looking elsewhere, maybe it'd be better if my player moved on, Every team, I guarantee, over the course of the season has a player that talks to the GM or the agent talks to a GM and said, you know what, my player might be better off somewhere else. So that's nothing new. The thing I don't like about the fact that it's gone public, because right now there's probably nine other players in the National Hockey League that have done the exact same thing, yet we don't know about and we can't talk about it.
2: All right. Oilers win 2-1 over the Chicago Blackhawks. Whenever the Oilers score 5 or more in a game, which they have done three times so far this season, you can go to the Oilers page on 630Ched.com Print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village, three locations in Edmonton, downtown, south side and north side. Alright, 780 we have Greg standing by. Hey Greg, thanks for calling
4: Hey, how's it going? Doing
2: well
5: I When this whole Zach Cassian thing has come up, do you think they will trade him and then maybe get a, Scotty, a Body
2: Upshaw again. Well, I'm not sure what Upshaw's uh, health status is. Obviously, he had a bit of a nagging injury in in the preseason. I, I think right now they, I don't know if they would add Upshaw if, and I, I still think it's a pretty big if, uh, if well, they I trade Cassian. Don't. If they traded him for another forward, that forward would likely get the spot. Uh, you also have to remember Raddy's on injured reserve. He is going to come up. Puliyarvi's been, uh, or be activated eventually. Puliyarvi's been scratched. Marodi is around the team right now. And, and, and Cassian's
3: um, value around the National Hockey League is not bringing you much back. I mean, he's a fourth line player that's been a healthy scratch. So you're not getting a whole lot, if anything, coming back. Uh, I don't. Th- I think it's. I think again. It. I think it's a non. A non-issue. I, I just. There's. It happens so often in the National Hockey League. I mean, this could have. It probably happened two or three times last year. with Players on the Oilers that no one heard about, and those players continued to play for the Oilers and are probably playing with them again already this season. So, uh, I, I don't think this is much of a storyline. I think it's, you know, that when you're on a national broadcast, you have to find scoops, and obviously they found a scoop to talk about. But I don't think it's that big an issue.
2: Do you want to finish the play, Greg? Sure. All right. We're looking to put you into the grand prize draw for a one-hour rental at Fast Track Indoor Karting. Safe, adrenaline-pumping fun. FastTrackKartingEdmonton.com. And it floated over to Chris Russell.
1: He'll in turn send it down low for Lucci. Center it past Stroman, a one-timer, and a save made by Ward. Kajula was wide open in the slot, and Ward again. That's only five saves, but for me, he's just been on it.
2: All right, Greg, I think a pretty simple one. Uh, what team did Cam Ward play for before he came to the Chicago Blackhawks?
4: Carolina Hurricanes.
2: Absolutely, Greg. Stay on the line, and Patrick will take down your info. Cam Ward, pretty good game himself. Twenty-four saves, but Cam Talbot makes thirty-one, and the Oilers get a two-one overtime victory over the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, the Oilers power play today, Rob was zero for two. A uh, little little detail that. Uh we didn't like, uh, they negated both of their own power plays with penalties.
3: Yeah, that's something that you can't do. Uh, and, and the thing that was hard about them taking away from their power play or ending their power play prematurely is both times their power play looked good. Yeah. They were creating chances. They were all over the Blackhawks. Uh, the one, the second power play, I, I swore they were going to score in that PP with a number of great chances they were getting. They were tiring out the penalty killers. Eventually something had to bounce out their way, but uh, silly penalties... Uh, it just hurts, and it it takes away scoring opportunities. So uh, accidental penalties are still penalties, and unfortunately for the Oilers, that's something they've got to be wary of Uh, because whenever you're on a power play, the ref is always looking for an opportunity to even it up because they don't want to be the, the difference in a hockey game. So you got to make sure your stick's in the right spot. Uh, the, the Milan Lucic one was an easy, easy call. And very fortunate it didn't turn into four minutes as he clipped Seabrook pretty good across the face.
2: Yeah, I think that's a detail. And Todd McClellan talks about it a lot. The best way not to give up power play goals is, is not to be shorthanded. Uh, they have been shorthanded 32 times in 10 games. I mean, not bad. I, I, look, we're being picky here. They won. Mm-hmm. They're they're playing quite well lately. But in in the first period, those three penalties in succession. So you give Chicago a brief two man advantage. Mm-hmm. They score on it, and, and then you know your lines are out of, out of whack. Yep. Your your D pairings, are... certain players sit for a while.
3: Energy. Yeah, yeah. And and the penalty. I, I know Bob talked about the fact he didn't like the call on Kajula, but it was a penalty. It, it would have been a penalty if they weren't shorthanded. So you got to call it. When you are short-handed, you can't put your stick in a guy's hands. And, and he created a, a turnover, which makes it easier for the ref to call. Right. You just can't do that. Um, it, w- it wasn't a sc- goal-scoring chance. It was one foot inside their blue line when he hooked the guy around the hands. You can't do that. and. Because, I mean, you don't ever want to give an opportunity on the power play to a team with skilled players like the Blackhawks have. You certainly don't want to give them a two-man advantage. They're too good. Patrick Kane's going to pick you apart and eventually made the great play. So uh, that was just a, an ill-advised play by Kajula. So the others have been much smarter this year. The the, the silly penalties have been fewer. There's a couple players that still have to figure that out in their game. Uh, but, again, that's a small part of this game because, uh, it was a good road trip for the Edmonton Oilers coming home that, uh, with the possibility, and I don't think many would have expected, with the possibility of being in first place at night's
2: end. Yeah, that depends on what happens between the Sharks and the Ducks. Right now, the Oilers actually are in, in first place, but we'll see what happens with the game that's still on the ice, and I'll check the full scoreboard in a couple of minutes here. McDavid in overtime. He's done that before. Oilers win 2-1 in Chicago, Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. and I believe Steve was at the game. Steve, how's it going?
5: great. Yeah, I was just at the game. I pulled out of there. And uh, before I start, I want to say how much I love Chad. I live in Chicago, and I'm a huge hockey fan. I listen to Chad every day. The best hockey coverage in the world.
2: Well, thanks a lot. That's cool, man.
5: And, uh, you know, I, I found out something interesting tonight. It took three years, but NHL coaches have finally figured out how to stop McDavid. You put Yamamoto on his line.
2: Oh, jeez. <laughs> okay.
5: Great game. Uh, Cam Talbot played great. I think he stole it. I think the Hawks had uh, six games in nine nights or something like that. Both teams looked tired. The first period was a snoozer. It picked up a little bit, but uh, once overtime started, I turned to my son and I said, this thing's going to go 25 seconds. I was off by about maybe 20 seconds, but there's no stopping that guy in overtime.
3: No, you're absolutely right. uh, The Oilers have a secret weapon in overtime, and that's Drysaddle-McDavid going out there together. I mean, the, the Blackhawks have Kane and Taves, who can change the complexion of an overtime as well. But as soon as the turnover happened down by the goal line in the Blackhawks' end, there was nobody nobody that was going to catch dry saddle mcdavid and and those two on a a two on one i'd bet the house on it every single time beautiful pass by dry saddle no mistake my mcdavid
2: steve it's great to meet you thanks a lot for tuning in from chicago That, that that's really cool to hear and i hope this isn't the only time you call this year okay
5: i call every time the oilers play i love talking to you guys I'll
2: listen every day. Thanks, guys. Okay. Thanks, Steve. That is Steve checking in from Chicago. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Coach Mike says ten games in, this is on the text line, ten games in. What do you see as the biggest difference between last year last year's oilers and this year's?
3: Um, to me it's one thing goaltending. They, the, if you had to pick one, well, yeah, well, he said the biggest thing, yeah. goaltending. It's and there's no question. Cam Talbot this year compared to last year, it's no different. Like, he is locked in he's giving them confidence as players he's making big saves uh, he, he's looking like the Cam Talbot we saw two years ago goal tending, you cannot win in the National Hockey League without goaltending the Oilers have it right now
2: yeah I mean I, I talked all summer people ask me why do you think the Oilers are going to be better and, and hey we'll, we'll see I mean we're still going through a lot of stuff but very encouraging I, I said all summer I, I think Talbot can be better And I think the special teams Will be mm-hmm. better And I the phrase I used all, all summer for the power play I said If the power play Is not incompetent <laughs> They will have more goals for And if the penalty killing Improves a little bit Which I, I wouldn't Because on NHL.com You can sort all the stats By date after February 1st last season, so the final third of the year, the Oilers had the second-best PK in the league, home and away, in, in the league. Uh, it's okay this year. They, they did allow a goal tonight down two men, uh, so it's about uh, it'll be probably 22nd, 23rd by the end of the night. So not great, but the power play is up around 25%. So if your goalie's a little better, your special teams are a little better, you swing the goal differential. Is it going to be enough for them to win the division or have home ice? I don't know. There's a lot of track to go. There's going to be disappointing nights, but that's why I thought they could claw back Hmm? into the playoffs.
3: I agree, absolutely. There's no way that this power play cannot be a top 5-7 in the National Hockey League. Uh, despite the fact they don't have the perfect setup with a a right-handed shot, they still have Connor McDavid, they still have Leon, uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and the way they have it set up this year, they have no problem getting into the offensive zone. No problem at all. It is, it is almost, they, the other team should just let, come on in, set up, because all we're doing is getting tired, chasing you down, and now we'll work on it. And they've got plays set up for, for the, the five lefties. They, they create every time they're out there. When they don't score, they're at least keeping momentum going forward. In the Last year on their power play, not only did they not score, they lost momentum in hockey games because there would be two minutes. They didn't get a shot, and sometimes they actually were outchanced in games by the penalty killers. So their, 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 their power plays better. Their goaltending's better. There's a, a ton of confidence in this team right now. And, again, it's only 10 games in. And this 10-game segment does not get them into the playoffs. But now they are not out of the playoffs like they were last year at this time fighting a huge uphill battle
2: the the uh, percent percentages aside and the percentages are important obviously mm-hmm. you want you want to have a high percentage power play but just in terms of total goals on the power play the Oilers had 31 all of last year 31 they have 9 this year in 10 games Did, didn't score today so That works out to what, 72? And and they had 56 in the year they made the playoffs and had the fifth power play in the league. So that's what I'm saying. They lost 25 goals for last year just on their power play alone.
3: Well, the year that they were so good, two years ago when they had the good team, it was almost like a a broken record. The Oilers would be tied going into the third period. Their goaltending would be good. They might be getting outplayed. They get a power play sometime midway through the game that would either tie the game or put them ahead. And if it tied the game, then they went into overtime and they would win it in overtime. Their power play scored. Big goals at big moments that year. And that's what we've seen this year. A few times in the third period, their power plays come through for them. And they need that to continue. And I I see no reason why. If this team stays healthy, they should challenge for a playoff spot. And the way the other teams in the Pacific have looked thus far, Maybe they challenge for more than just a playoff spot.
2: Yeah, you never know. But I, I think they'll be in the mix. Being yep. in the mix doesn't mean I think they're going to run away with it or nope. clinch on February 10th or anything like that. But I think they'll battle. Uh, Rock says if Yamamoto wasn't drawing penalties, he'd be unnoticeable. And that's saying a lot since he's with McDavid. Okay, let's not... Let's not crap on the on the young man who I think has a lot of potential and works hard and checks hard. Uh, I think Raddy gets that spot back mm-hmm. uh, when he's when he's healthy. And I think as long as they're you know they're winning or, or working hard in games, they'll probably look well. the way they are.
3: I see no one else in the lineup that's going to take the spot of Yamamoto right now that Ra- Raddy's out. I mean Puliyarvi. I mean he, he was not doing. He can't even get into the lineup. So Yamam that's Yamamoto's spot. He does enough to stay there, but Raddy's a better hockey player today than Yamamoto is. And with Raddy's healthy, he's there. Now, maybe Yamamoto eventually surpasses Raddy as a player, and uh, he, hopefully he does. But right now, uh, that's Raddy's spot, and Yamamoto's just keeping it warm for him.
2: All right, so the Oilers beat the Hawks 2-1 as we look at the scoreboard for Edmonton Trailer. Drive away with your newer used trailer. Head to edmontontrailer.com. Senators lead the Golden Knights, 1-0 in the second period. Sharks up 3-1 on the Ducks early second period. Shots are 25-11 San Jose. Kings get a late goal to beat the Rangers 4-3. Red Wings win just their second of the season, 4-2 over the Stars. Islanders get a 2-1 road win against Carolina. Western Hockey League, hey, what a weekend for the Oil Kings. They win all three. Uh, 6-3 today over the Lethbridge Hurricanes, couple of goals for Jake Neighbors in uh, that game, he's going to be good 5 on the season for him, well, li- he already is good
3: but. Yes, a little streaky for the Oil Kings this year, start off really with happened. 5 they wins
2: in eight, a row, they and had 8 games, they got just a point and, and now they're doing well again they're, they're fun to watch, they're going to hang around as well
3: Well, new coach, new GM, a uh, lot of new players this year, they're a team that uh, is
2: hopefully on the rise 780-496-0063, Ron is on the line Hey Ron
6: Hey, guys, how are you doing tonight? Quite well. I'm
2: just laughing
6: here with your conversation with uh, Steve from Chicago. I'm Ron from Edmonton, but your conversation with Steve was hilarious. He <laughs> he was telling you that uh, he calls all the time, and you guys are saying he's a first-time caller. That's funny. But uh, I agree with his sentiment. Absolutely love listening to you guys. Um, Brown there, the, the commentary is absolutely awesome. I love listening to it. And i would have to say i can't believe we have six wins it's uh early in the season we're doing amazing and uh i'm I'm thinking a big a big part of it has probably got to do with um the new uh coaching staff underneath um underneath our head coach i I think it's amazing i I can't (coughs) can't tell you the names of the three right now but i think that's that's probably made a big difference what do you guys
2: Yeah, the names are uh, Glenn Gullitson, who coached the Calgary Flames head coach last year, Trent Yanni, who's, uh, well, he was briefly a head coach in Chicago, been an assistant with a couple of teams, including Anaheim, And uh, Manny Vivrios, who is uh, an Edmonton... uh, Edmonton St. Albert. St. Albert, sorry. Sorry, Rob. (laughs) Uh, Obviously uh, was an outstanding junior player, played a bit in the NHL, and was playing and coaching in Europe for a long time. Uh, Great success in Swift Current the last couple of years. I I think they're making a difference. I think new voices are making a difference. I I think with the defensemen something broke down last year with, with the players and Jim Johnson, and I'm not I'm not blaming either side. I just sometimes think, you know, some, sometimes relationships don't click like they, they might have earlier or when mm-hmm. a coach is new. And, uh, you know, Rob and I talked about that a lot last year, that that was likely going to be a change. That's what they decide to go with. And, um, you know, I think those guys are making an impact, and I also think a lot of players are... are took a lot of it on themselves, too, to do better.
3: And, and when you talk about a new voice, it's not only the new voice, it's the way the new voice is heard. And, and different coaches have different approaches of how to converse with players, how to talk to players. And I know that I, I, I've known Manny Viveros for a long, long time, played against him in junior. And I must say, if he was in this generation, he'd be a star in the National Hockey League. He was a small defenseman back when they only took big big, slow-moving defenseman, he's a very smart man, and Treniani, so I think they're a very positive influence, and I think they're, they're pushing these guys to do things that might take them out of their comfort zone, but are making them better players, and we've seen the way they play right now. This is a north-south ho- south hockey club now from the back end. They got the freedom to jump up on the play, and right now the first play that the defensemen are making when they get the puck is north. You, you don't see east-west, you don't see them taking it back and curling in their own zone. As soon as they get the puck, they're looking up front and trying to hit someone with speed, leaving the zone. And the forwards know that. And The Oilers, are, they're a much more exciting brand of hockey this year. You take out one or two games early in the season, they're more fun to watch. They're aggressive, they're assertive, but I do believe, and this caller's exactly right, was it Ron, did he say? Ron from yep. Edmonton? Ron, Ron was right. I think the, the new coaches, the new voices
2: have created a positive effect on the players. And you're right. There are fewer D-to-D passes, and there will always be some. And when they're yep. changing lines, I mean, you got to remember when they're changing lines, every, every team will, will do mm-hmm. D-to-D to, to get the players on the ice. But just off the top of my head, three goals this season. Uh, you had Larson ahead to Chase on that mm-hmm. turned into a two-on-nothing with Reeder. You had Larson ahead to Yamamoto, that turned into Yamamoto's first NHL goal. And you had Clefbaum, long pass to Reeder yesterday, moves in and gives it to Dreisaitl for a goal. So there's three goals just off the top of my head where they, they pushed the puck, got it to the other team's blue line, that immediately led to a goal.
3: Yeah, I mean, not always is there going to be a play north. But your first thought should be to move the puck up to the forwards, and that's what we're seeing. Last year, they would get the puck, and their first thought was get it to your partner. And whenever you make a pass from your from one player to the partner, that's exactly what the defensive team wants. It allows them to set up their neutral zone four check. It starts, allows them to cut off the ice, take half of the, the, the ice out of uh, passing lanes, and they get to go exactly where they want to be. Now they get to force you where they want you to go. If you make a pass, as soon as there's a turnover, you're looking up north, you've caught the other team off guard because they haven't had time to set up. So uh, whoever is talking, whether it's Vivros or Yanni, uh, probably it's a combination, but they are pushing the envelope and you're seeing uh, a much more exciting brand of hockey and a much more effective brand of hockey.
2: That's your adjustment of the game for the Alberta College and Association of Chiropractors. If it hurts, see a chiropractor. Visit com. If you are on hold, we are getting to you. Oilers win 2-1 in overtime. The man who got the winner, Connor McDavid.
7: Well, we got some skills. We got some skill. Um, you know, even if it's not me and Leon, it's... Uh, it's new, It's uh, you know some of our D jumping in. Um, you know, it's up and down the lineup. So we got skill um, and we know how to play uh, play three on three. It's a it's a different style of hockey that uh, we seem to understand. Okay.
4: Well, I this morning, today, you guys responded again. That's two and nights you guys responded right off the bat. does that say about the character you
7: guys You know what? It was all the fourth line tonight. Um, we would call them fourth line, but you know they were, tonight they're the first line. They're unbelievable. All three of them. Um, you know, they, the way they're able to create chances and bang one in and um, he'll get. On the forecheck and create havoc for us. Uh, I thought they were uh, this. Is, this was their best game um, all season for sure, and you know, all criticals to them. You guys are winning games when you score five goals. It's uh, now you it the
6: other way where it's one-one. You have to grind it out a little bit. You like to see that from your team that you it can always win. It seems to
7: be that way in this building. Um, you know, for whatever reason, they're, they're solid defensively. You know, they have D-men that can skate. They they get up and they surf guys. It's it's hard to get in the zone, and um, you know they, they have obviously some of the most offensively gifted players in the league. So um, you know they're they're a dynamic. Team and um, we found a way to get a win in a, in a tough building. As yeah, this, this
6: thing goes along, do you guys you kind of feeding off yourselves? They like getting more and more confident as each game goes by. Uh, you
7: know, that's what you want to do. You want to build on each and every game. You want to build your game um, each and every day. I think we've done a really good job of that. Um, you know, it took us a little bit to get into the swing of things. Just you know, with you know, one game and. The first ten days of the start of the season, and then you know, we play one, and then we have another three days off. And you know, we kind of, kind of couldn't really get into a rhythm, and then um, well now we keep playing back, or, you, know, you know, days after day, and um, we get into a routine. And you know, hockey players are creatures of habit, and you know, when you get that, and you can feel good, it's. Uh, you know, good things happen
1: on your game winner when you break out three on one and you have those kind of numbers are you trying for some sort
0: of a set play there do you guys have something set up you
7: no know, there's no set play um, you know we, we usually start me Leon and Clef, and all three of us are good players we know how to to you know, orchestrate two on one or three on one or three on two so um, you know we, we kind of do a good job of reading off each other and you know, Clef had the step uh, originally but you know I was uh, I thought I had a couple extra uh, strides on him that uh, you know, I, I should take the two- on- one and if he was tired, he could maybe change and, and get a D back there. So, you know, Dan did a great job of getting the puck over. Were you a
2: little surprised at how regulation played out? Didn't it really seem like there was a lot of open ice out there?
7: Yeah, there wasn't a lot of open ice for both teams, but I thought uh, the teams, both teams did a good job of generating a couple chances. Um, I thought the power play was good for us. Um, in, the first, in the first period, uh, we could have done better, but in the Sacramento, we just had to cash in on a couple chances that that I missed. And um, you know, five on 5-on-5, five, I thought both teams were pretty solid. Thanks. Thanks.
2: There's your captain, Connor McDavid, gets the overtime winner tonight. He has eight goals, 17 points in the first 10 games of the year, and he gives a lot of credit to the fourth line tonight, which did produce a goal in regulation. Cassian from Kara and Nurse, uh, Brodziak, obviously the other forward on that line, as the Oilers win 2-1 in Chicago. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Rocket standing by. Hey Rocket.
6: Hey guys, how are you doing? Good, buddy. Boy, I gotta tell you, I'm. I don't know about how you're feeling right now, but I'm pretty impressed with uh the way the Oilers are grinding out these victories and 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 you said it um you said it earlier, your best defender's Talbot. I think the defense is playing, you know, much better. Read you kinda of stole my lines when you when you said uh you know they're making passes up the ice a lot quicker than they than they used to and that's what I've noticed too watching.
8: Mm-hmm
6: Um, I'd like to know what you think of Milan's game because I watched him tonight and didn't notice him. All right,
2: Uh, I thought he was okay. Uh, I mean, look, this isn't going to change, guys. Sometimes he gives the puck away at a really bad time. Uh, I I mean, I just think you got to live with with the good. Uh, He intimidates. He hits. He's got like forty hits on the season. and he's uh, not a very slick puck handler. I, I just don't think that's changing. No, no,
3: it, it's not. I mean, uh, there, that line did create a couple of good chances. I thought Strom had a couple of wonderful opportunities. He set up Kajula for a good chance as well. I think the driver of that line right now is Drake Kajula. I think he's creating things through his physicality, through his energy, through his forecheck. Um, I don't see Milan's numbers being huge This year, if he's going to play on the third line, they're just not going to score a lot. Uh, Milan's not going to create on his own. Strom obviously doesn't create like Connor does or Leon does. So most of Milan's offensive numbers are going to have to come on the power play when he's in front of the net. But I thought Milan was uh, okay tonight. You didn't notice him physically as much as you have noticed him in the last couple of games but I don't think it was it wasn't a very physical hockey game out there tonight neither team was
2: 2-1 the Oilers win in overtime more of your phone calls you'll hear from head coach Todd McClellan, Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auction Broadcast Centre.
1: Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Osmond Auction. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 6.30 chair. Game appears destined to, for Overtime. Kane walks in. One-timer Gustafson and a save made by Cam Talbot. A face-off coming to his right. And Talbot now with 31 stops tonight.
2: He would finish with 31 stops. That one on Gustafson with 17 seconds left in the third. Gets it to overtime. And McDavid from Sidle, 53 seconds into the extra frame. The Oilers win their third in a row, 2-1 over Chicago. They are 6-3-1 on the season. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. It is 7.33. Don't forget, coming up at 8 tonight. Really excited. Brand new show here on 630 Ched, Nighttime with Jordan Bonaparte, one of Canada's most popular true crime and mysteries podcast. This is just an enthralling program coming up at 8 tonight right after overtime open line. You can reach us at 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. We are going to bring you some comments from head coach Todd McClellan in a couple of minutes. But first, we have Chris from Phoenix on the line. Chris, good to hear from you.
6: Hey, what's up, guys? Um, amazing start to the season. Um, I really didn't expect us to be six, three, and one, especially with the record or the uh, the teams we were playing. And uh, man, just amazing. Uh, Connor and, and uh, Dry, I swear. I, I we need to find a way to look up the percentage of how many wins we have in overtime when those two guys are are uh, on the ice. But uh, all kudos to uh, Trent Yanni. Uh, I think Trent Yanni has been a big influence. On uh, that defense of ours, let's face it, we we really have only three top four guys uh, on that back end. I don't I don't really consider Russell a top four guy, but he's he's playing solid, so that's good. But um, Yanni, I think, has been a, a big contributor on that. And the thing that I'm noticing is, other than us never not quitting, is uh, the tenacity that we're showing on uh, on our power play. It's just we're going after loose pucks, we're we're going in the dirty corners, we're we're just. We're just relentless on the puck, and and even last year when when our um, our power play wasn't connecting, I think our, our entries were still um, the top of the league, I believe, and it's it's the same way this year. We enter the zone with no, with ease. Uh, it's just last year, I don't know if they just uh, lost in translation or, or, or something, but I'm I'm noticing just the. Uh, just to never quit, the no-die no, no die attitude, and um, I'm loving it. Keep it going, guys, and let's go, Oilers.
2: Yeah, much more tenacious for the Oilers so far this season, and, and I think, too, I mean, I said off the top of the show, I, I thought the Oilers were outplayed in, in the second half of the game, they, and in the third period they didn't have a lot going on on the attack. And, uh, but, it, but the recovery was there. I mean, mm-hmm. a, a, a Talbot was, was solid, and, and yes, the Oilers had some giveaways in their own zone, but it was, let's collapse, let's get back, let's get a stick in the lane, let's not get dejected because we, we gave the puck away. And I think that's, we, I mean, the Washington game was a great example. I mean, Washington's got a lot of great players. The Oilers checked well, collapsed well, took care of their, their slot. And that helped them to win that game, and I, I think it was a factor tonight. Maybe not as clean as, as a couple other games, but but good, good enough to get it into overtime.
3: Yeah, and I like the, the the points that caller made. There's a tenacity about their game, their puck retrieval, uh, when they lose the puck, the fight to get it back. I think it, it all starts and starts with your captain. I mean, when Connor McDavid doesn't have the puck, he's trying to get it back. He's not backing into a defensive posture. He's not becoming passive. He becomes much more aggressive. And you see it in Nugent Hopkins, and you see it with the Yamamoto and Drysaddle, and it just you, you feed off other guys. Dry uh, McDavid is the number one player in the National Hockey League at creating turnovers, and the rest of the team follows suit. So yeah, there is a, a better tenacity, and I think a lot of it is there's a confidence in their team. Last year, once the season started going south, the confidence really, really dragged, and it's hard to have that tenacity in games when you know you're 20, 30 points out of a playoff spot.
2: Boilers win 2-1 in overtime. That little audio clip was Talbot's save of the game for Jiffy Lube, keeping you moving to and from the game. Jiffy Loop service. World Series after four innings now. Red Sox up 2-1 on the Dodgers. Red Sox looking to win it all. Dodgers looking to prolong the series. We have Steve on the line. Hey, Steve, nice to hear from you. Hey,
0: guys. Nice to hear from you as well. Um, I suppose it's been a bit of a love fest tonight, so I'll continue on with uh, how great the show has been and uh, – has been uh, previously as well. Um, I'm phoning particularly about Zach Cassian. Um, didn't obviously like him back in the day when he when he hit Sam Gagne and then came to love him when we were in the playoffs. So I'm just trying to to clarify or seek. And I know you guys aren't uh, NHL GMs, but how can a player like Cassian in this case be given the permission to speak to a different team? I thought that was kind of the role of the GMs to seek out trades. So. Do you know what that exactly means when he's been given permission to... Well, his, to his his
2: agent has been given permission to 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 speak to other teams. And I think it might be the case where, without having talked to Shirelli about it, where Shirelli's like, if you, if you want to look around and find a team, go ahead. But what do you think I'm going to get for a fourth liner making $1.9 million per season? Who's been a healthy Who doesn't, scratch. is doesn't, isn't playing that great. So that could be a little bit of a... Uh, what's the phrase? I almost said a
0: dirty work more than anything
2: else. Well, yeah, I mean, a,
3: a lot of agents have uh, certain friendships with certain GMs, and they'll say, and they'll th- what they'll try to do is they'll try to sell Cassian. Say, you know what? He's not getting the ice time here. If you he got it there, this is what he's capable of doing. You know, he could be better. We could be better for you. This is what you're missing. Where Peter Shirelli's like, all right, I mean, if, if you find something, then we'll look at it, but we're not going to actively, I mean, he's, it's not that, it's not Connor McDavid or Leon Draisaitl. This is a guy that needs to find his game here. Uh, it, it, Bob talked at the beginning of the season, or the beginning of the game today, different teams that could use an aggressive, assertive, pain-in-the-butt type of winger on their fourth line. Well, the Edmonton Oilers would be in that group. The others could use Cassian, and they want Cassian. They want to be Cassian it. to be that. It's Cassian hasn't now. Cassian was better tonight, but Cassian has been quiet too many nights this year. And there's not a single GM in the National Hockey League that wants Cassian the way Cassian has played on most nights. There'd be a lineup of GMs in the National Hockey League that won't, would want Cassian if he played like he did two years ago and played like he did in the playoffs. Consistency has always been a problem for for Zach. When he's on his game, he could be a difference maker as a fourth liner. Unfortunately, there have been few and far between in the last year and a bit.
0: And, and Rob, I appreciate your honesty earlier when you were saying that, you, you know, that's something you've done in your career as well, and it's a shame that it has become public. When it does become public, is there ever a way back for the player or the management when that uh, kind of gets leaked out?
3: Yeah. It, I mean, it, it, it's fine in a dressing room because players all know that it happens. So if someone says, yeah, I heard Cassie and the agents talking to other teams, they're not going to treat him any differently. Uh, All players are proud. All players want to play. And all players understand that sometimes there's not a a spot for you here. When a veteran is sitting in the stands, you're like, well, I know he's not going to be happy up there. And it's a guy's livelihood. And you start thinking of the future. Well, I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to have much of a future if I'm sitting in the stands here all the time. So it's not going to be a problem that way. The GM, Peter Shrelly hasn't talked about it, so it's not, no problem with him. So the pie, I don't like the public thing because then all of a sudden it becomes a story. And there's, I guarantee you, there's been players on last year's team here in Edmonton that asked to be moved or asked or talked about or being moved. Or there's
2: hypothetical, you know, like, or and, and, there's, if, yeah.
3: and there's a number of players around the National Hockey League this year. If just all you have to do is look at any player that's been in and out of the lineup, or any player who's playing fewer minutes than he normally plays. And you will find a player that's a little unhappy. And the first person he talks to is his wife. The second person he talks, person he talks to is his agent. And his <laughs> bo- agent is going to try and make him happier than his wife is. So the agent's going to go out of his way to see what he can do for his player.
2: Yeah, and I mean, Cassian didn't come out and and nope. loaf today, or uh, looked like he was a, a pouty player. He had probably his best game of the season. So I, I, I you know, hopefully this. I I mean it, it, this could just go away. Quite frankly, it, this could just kind of kind of dissipate. I, I, that's why I'm ha- like we're happy to talk about it, but I, I also don't want to blow it up into this. Uh, make it something bigger than and
3: it is. and not to sound negative or or be. Um, uh, I, I this isn't. We're not talking about Conor McDavid, agent shopping him or Nugent Hopkins agent shopping him. So that's why the story to me just isn't as big and I've been in dressing rooms. Players have, players have had meetings with coaches, had meetings with GMs long, long before I started playing, and they'll do it long, long after Zach Cassian is done. Everybody is trying to find a way to be find happiness for, their, for themselves as well as the team, and sometimes yourself becomes a little bit
2: before your team when it comes to your livelihood. All right, Oilers win 2-1 in overtime. More of your phone calls in a couple of minutes, but let's go back to Chicago. Here's head coach Todd McClellan. Connect uh,
9: in overtimes. Yeah, we're fortunate to have those two. They, uh, they feel real comfortable in those situations. They, uh, they wait for their moments, and then they, they make them count. And, um, you know, when you've got one that can slow it down and one can speed it up, it becomes a, a difficult task for the other team to play against. So um, fortunate to get it there. Uh, Talvis made some really good saves, and uh, then those two did their work in overtime.
4: Uh, speaking to you this morning, you talked about three lines going and the fourth line doing their role, but they're also able to chip in offensively. Connor McDavid is called the best line on the team
9: tonight. Yeah, I thought our fourth line was uh, was excellent tonight. They provided energy when we needed it. They checked well. They won big faceoffs. They were uh, pivotal in the penalty kill. They got us the goal to uh, to get back into the the game when we were down one. And um, you know they did they did their thing tonight. They uh, they certainly were valuable and they provided. Uh, what we needed. When it's close late like that, are you playing for overtime? Is that a thing, or do you? Well, I, I think in, in, you got to have a feel for the game. You got to understand how the game is going. Um, I didn't think we were real sharp, um, you know, in the second half of the game, perhaps, or even in the third period. Um, so once you get it to overtime, you're kind of thankful that you got the point. You knew that Talbs had to make some real good saves and then you're trying to win. And there's other nights where you're really flying and, and things are going your way and you're hoping you can win it in, yeah. in regulation. So I don't think there's a set formula for um, for games that are tied down the stretch. Uh, I think every night presents a different set of challenges. You talked the other day about, you know, this, this stretch of 10 game is supposed to be the end of you guys and, and you've gone through it really well now. You talked yesterday about not taking a deep breath and thinking that you've... Necessarily accomplished anything? Well, is that, that deep, the message going forward? The the deep breath we need right now is some rest, and we'll get that tomorrow when we take the day off. But. Um, we'll now hear from from all the writers and the uh, the media about how we got through this killer stretch of games. But in my opinion, the next ten is just as tough. Um, there aren't easy games. Um, yes, there's teams that have a, a reputation or a past or a uh, a record that they can hang their hat on. But every night, teams show up and play. So um, our task just stays as hard as it's been in the past.
4: Todd, much like uh, Arvid, the save on Arvidsson yesterday by Koskinen, Talbot was tasked with another. Break. We made a big save early on in that second. How much of a momentum shift was that uh, early in the second period? Well, that was important, but he
9: made some others in those situations, too. Uh, a few on the power play, and uh, certainly somewhere we broke down, and they were looking at him basically all alone. Um, you know, I thought Talbot had to maybe work a little harder than, uh, than Ward did tonight, but um, and it was a real good night, two nights in a row for our goaltenders. And that's a positive sign we can get two of them to perform like that.
2: Yeah, Koskinen, a good game yesterday in Nashville. Oilers won 5-3. Tonight, Talbot 31 saves. Oilers take down the Blackhawks 2-1 in overtime. I mean, McClellan made a great point about now the next Mm 10-game segment. And they got Minnesota, they got Chicago at home, then a a road trip that's going to be busy, Detroit, Washington, Tampa Bay, and Florida. That's four games in six days. And uh, then the next four after that would be home to Colorado and Montreal at Calgary and home to Vegas, so yeah, I mean does that I guess that doesn't have Nashville and Winnipeg in it, so it, it might sound easier, but you never know and, you, and the the key for the orders here is is keep banking the points, keep the foot on the gas, keep paying attention to the details don't get discouraged there's there are going to be bumps we're probably going to have another Game like the New Jersey game off the start of the season that looks really bad uh, at, at some point, but at least they have some things to build on. And I go back to uh, it's a, it's a pleasure for me to get to interview uh, Wally Buono every year, mm-hmm. and he is always he's been a coach a long time and he's won a lot of games as a football coach. I know it's a different sport, but he has said it is always uh, easier to get through to players when. They are winning. He goes, I, I would sooner win a game I, I don't deserve to win or in a fluke or by a mistake by the other team because the players feel better and then they're more open to coaching. Yeah, they're more receptive because they're in a
3: good mood and you can joke off, oh, yeah, I probably should have done that. Right. Oh, I should have been on that guy. Yeah, you're right. I'll be better next time. Whereas if you you lose, you're in a bad mood. Everybody's grumpy. And, and, and you've traveled at times or you've been around the team. When the team loses... Like it doesn't matter if you're a player, a coach, a media member. Like it is an ugly attitude, an ugly mood. You can't talk on the buses. You don't. Everyone, you know, your eyes are down. It it just, it's a terrible feeling, and that's the, that's the what they want. Because now you don't. I don't want to feel like that again. I want to win next game. So uh, when it's, it's Glenn Sayer, Paul Coffey tells the story when the Oilers were winning games, they got harder practices. Because Glenn said, you know what, I can take advantage because everyone's in a good mood. We can go harder. When they lost, he backed off a bit. Well, they're already down on themselves. No no use kicking them again. That'd just be like teaching and talking to them as well. It's easier to teach when they're in a good mood, when they're feeling good about themselves. The Oilers, I think, when, when they had their success a couple of years ago, they never got too high or too low. And I remember Mark Letest, who is a buddy of yours, I, I remember interviews, he says, yeah, yeah, we won. But, I mean... We, we've got to come play tomorrow. Oh, yeah, we lost. Well, we, we know we can be better. There was never uh, a roller coaster. And when you get on a roller coaster, then it's hard. Because when you start going down on a roller coaster, it's hard to get that cart going swinging back up the right way. So I think the others right now are pretty heady with the fact that, you know, we're playing well, but we can be better. And I think that's a good attitude to have.
2: Tony and Joanne, we'll get to your calls after this break. Oilers in overtime. 2-1 winners against the Blackhawks. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auction Broadcast Centre. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Osmond Auction.
1: This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio, 6.30. Brodziak wins the phase, a sprawling save, and then the rebound off the crossbar for Brodziak, and the rebound, Zach Cassian ties it. Zach Cassian, a goal he desperately needed, punches home Edmonton's third chance. Nurse took the initial shot, Ward kicked it out, Brodziak hit the bar, and Cassian
2: made no mistake. Cassian's first of the season, late in the first period. That tied at 1-1. No scoring until overtime. 53 seconds in, Dreisaitl sets up McDavid on a 2-on-1. Edmonton wins 2-1 in Chicago to improve to 6-3-1 on the season. Our face-off trivia winner was Raj. He gets a $50 Buffet Royale gift card from Armour Insurance. Protect your home and business with Armour, ArmorInsurance.ca. His name goes into the grand prize draw for a $1,000 prepaid Visa gift card from from Alpine Credits, homeowners get approved, alpinecredits.ca. He knew that Brent Seabrook is the active Chicago Blackhawk who is third in franchise games played behind two legends, Makita and Hall. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, and Tony on the line. Tony, thanks for calling.
4: Hey, guys. How you guys doing? Quite well. Um, I got two questions, and um, one might be easier. First one is, with, the t- with how the team is playing this year, well, who are the top three guys right now that you would say has most improved from last season besides Talbot because he has shown up and I'm beyond happy about that and second one is JP I don't know what the heck has gone on with him but during the preseason he played great he was scoring goals I know it's against you know players that are battling for you know positions but I want to know I want to know what happened between the J RV that we had then and what's happened now because it seems like his confidence has gone way down.
2: Well, let me ask you this, Tony: When was he ever really, really good for an extended stretch of games?
4: True, but did not he score in uh, the in the Devils game or no? Winnipeg,
2: I, I mean, he scored. Well, this year his one goal was against Winnipeg to tie it four four.
4: Yeah. Okay, no, I I just want to know, like, you know, he he wants to be an NHL player, but he's not playing like it. And I understand the fact that he hasn't always been consistent
2: but it seems like his confidence has gone way down this season.
4: Okay,
3: thanks, Tony. Um, I don't know if it's gone way down. I don't think he had a lot of confidence last year either. Uh, he didn't have a strong year last year. Um, he, he's got to understand the game a little bit better, and uh, you and I, Reid, we've been talking about it. Maybe it does need to go to the minors. Uh, it, it, the thing is I don't see the lineup changing. Going to the next game. Simply, the Oilers are on a winning streak. The fourth line, the guys that are usually interchangeable, had a good game today. Uh, Kajula, who's on the third line, has been a guy that sat out. He had another strong game, so I don't see Puljuhvi going into the lineup right away. And if the others continue to do this, unless there's an injury, you're not seeing him. So I'd put him down in the minors, let him play some games. He's not going to improve. He's not going to get better sitting in the press box. Let him go gain his confidence. As for your other question, I think Reed and I both agree, I would say, Clef has been the biggest improvement. And then after that, I think R&H. Talbot. Has looked very good, Talbot. Of course, we said we weren't allowed to say Talbot. Oh, sorry. And then, uh, <laughs> other than that, uh, maybe, maybe Chris Russell. Chris Russell playing top four minutes right now looked fine too.
2: All right, final call of the night to Joanne. Go ahead, Joanne.
8: Hi guys. I'm um, glad that, glad I got through to you. Um, I'm sorry I'm not going to be talking about tonight's game. But there was a game a few days ago or a few games ago where the players got into the Into the um, uh, the circle. My mind's gone blank.
2: So is this an Oilers game or another game?
8: Yeah, yeah. And they get into the circle where they are fighting for the puck. The crease? No, the circle in the middle of the.
3: Oh, center circle. Okay, yeah.
8: That's it. Sorry. No worries. And um, there was two penalties in that game. Um, again, um Oh, the face off the circle. Pitch-
2: They're called for face off violations. It happened against Pittsburgh and it happened against Washington. If the first guy is thrown out for committing a violation and his replacement comes in and also it gets thrown out, that team gets a penalty. So Pittsburgh did it and then Washington did it. That's what happened. Okay,
8: okay but I okay. don't understand where. The you
2: can't move your like. stick till the, till the linesman drops the puck, Joanne. You can't try to gain an unfair advantage. And they said okay. the other teams were doing that twice in a row on the same faceoff, so they got penalties.
8: Thank you very much.
2: Okay, that is Joanne, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. 63 Rob, we are going to be back at it from Studio 99 at Rogers Place, Tuesday at 5.30. That's our next Oilers broadcast when they take on the Minnesota Wild. The game will begin at 7. Uh, hopefully the Oilers will keep this nice string of games going. Boston just going up 3-1 in the top of the sixth against the Dodgers. And, of course, the Oilers could be in first place in the Pacific Division at the end of the night. We'll see. Sharks are up 3-2 on the Ducks after two. Sharks currently a point behind Edmonton. You can get more on the Oilers page on 630chat.com. Thanks to our studio producer, Patrick Bauer. Overtime open line presented by Canadian Brewhouse. We've been in the Osmond Auction Broadcast Centre. Bob has Oilers now from noon to two tomorrow. I will have inside sports at six. Looking forward to it. Thanks for tuning in.
1: Kane gave it away. It's three on one for Edmonton and O.T. The winner a dry title over the line. Dishes. McGannis shoots and scores! McDavid from Leon Draisaitl wins the game for Edmonton, two to one, in overtime. Six thirty, Chad. Inside sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.